Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. This week, uh, we have a guest, a friend who I've known quite a while since uh, high school, middle school, maybe, um, from Charlotte, from Covenant Day, uh, and even <laughs> Appalachian State. Um, he's coming to us from Texas this week. Um, again, we all have a story. We all have struggles. And the good news is we are not alone. So I want to welcome and thank uh, Matthew Jennings for his vulnerability and his willingness to come on and talk to us about uh, you know, his life, his story, struggles, his uh, triumphs, and uh, kind of what he's doing nowadays. So Matthew, I'm going to let you just take it away. And uh, it's your episode. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Uh yeah, it's been quite a journey to get here in front of you. Um, there's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and a lot of lessons along the way. Um, I wanted to get into something real quick to sort of set the tone. Um, I'm going to read to you um, a story that is from my my sponsor, my mentor. Uh, his name is Bo Baker. He's got about 21 years or almost 20 years of sobriety. Wow. Uh, I should know that. I should probably know that number. <laughs> but um He's been my sponsor for this last year, and um, he was deeply invested in a, a, a sort of philosophy called A Course in Miracles, which isn't necessarily a religion, but it points to the idea that consciousness that is attained by people or spiritual leaders in the world is attainable to anyone. And so um, this is called The Hallway, and this is a story by one of his mentors, uh, Kareen Wasson. It goes like this. Imagine a long hallway, and you are at the beginning of it. And at the other end is a brilliant white light, yet it is soft and warm and inviting. And you know intuitively that it is your job to keep focused on this white light. While you are in this hallway, you experience perfect peace, complete satisfaction, a quiet sense of joy, and a tremendous sense of gratitude, and a remembrance of your connection to the oneness. While you are in this hallway, you experience perfect peace, complete satisfaction, a quiet sense of joy, and a tremendous sense of gratitude and a remembrance of your connection to and oneness with the creator floods your consciousness. And in, this still, and in this stillness, you know that everything works together in perfect harmony. And all that you ever need is effortlessly supplied for you because it is your creator's pleasure to provide all that its creation needs and desires. And you are in a state of awe before the grandeur of reality, the perfect balance, the rhythm of life, the perfection, the beauty, and the love that permeates you and your surroundings. And as you begin walking down this hallway, you notice that this hallway is lined with doors. All of them look identical. Then all of a sudden, one of them swings open and there stands your best friend with a panicked look on their face, motioning for you to come in and look. And because you love your friend and you are concerned, you enter into the door and find yourself in a room where there are chairs lined up facing a movie projector that is playing a movie called Scarcity. And your friend is talking rapidly about how the economy has been hit very hard recently due to a crisis in the housing market, how prices for food and gasoline have gone up, how there is a shortage of food and jobs are hard to find and she can't afford her rent. And, and you watch your friend point to the movie playing and you see how agitated she is. And as your eyes become accustomed to the dark in the room, you see people sitting in the chairs, some with their eyes glued to the screen, some have fallen asleep in their chairs because they've been there for so long. And then you receive a stirring within you. And a still, small voice reminds you of where you just came from. That feeling. Where was it? Oh, yes. Back outside in the hallway where all your needs are always provided for effortlessly. Where you are safe and loved and cared for. Cared for. And you try to take your friend's arm and go back out to the door. But your friend keeps staring at the movie screen, irritated that you aren't seeing what is right before your eyes. Look, she insists, don't you see what's happening? Don't you care? But as you try to explain what is going or what is on the other side of the door, the volume of the movie gets louder and your friend goes back to the screen, mouth open and eyes full of fear. You realize that you cannot help her and that you must go back into the hallway alone. As you enter in the, into the hallway, the stillness and peace welcomes you. You take a moment to allow yourself to readjust from the previous scenes of chaos and calamity to the, knowing of, to, to the knowing of the presence of God and his dominion over all. You exhale and are so grateful to be back home. As you continue down the hallway further, another door opens and it's a family member crying and begging you to come into the room and see. You immediately head for the door to see what's the matter. And, as, and just as you cross the threshold into the room, 
there was a still small voice that asked you whether this was a good idea. But this is family, and they are crying, and you dismiss the voice and go into the room. And there on the movie screen are very disturbing and very real-looking sick people and scenes of illness and disease, with narrators talking about symptoms and the seasons that people will most likely suffer from these unavoidable illnesses, how long they will last, and what medications you can buy to help alleviate your inescapable suffering. You see the fear and the horror in the eyes of your family member, and you begin telling him that what they are looking at is only a movie being played out on a movie screen, that it isn't real. You point out that there is, in reality, nothing going on, except that he or she is mesmerized by what is playing out in front of them. There is nothing actually taking place, and that all he or she needs to do is come out from the room where everyone experiences perfect health. But your family, but your family member looks at you and like you're absurd argues on the side of the scenes of numbers showing high fevers, paled skin color, running noses, and difficulty breathing. Look at the pain these people are in. How can you deny this? You obviously don't care. Either that or you're delusional. And with defiance in their eyes, they turn away from you, and you see that he or she has returned to join the others, sitting in their seats, staring at the movie screen, fixated on the images of suffering since. And again, you feel the familiar tug to go out of this room, and you head back into the hallway. You continue on a bit further now. Again, a door opens wide and your mother steps out and she looks frail and scared and she asks you to come into the room with her. You don't want to go, but it's your mother and your heart wants to reach out to her and you go in and the movie of unavoidable death is playing and your mother is wringing her hands and you go to comfort her and you want her to come out into the hallway with you where life is eternal and she listens to you for a bit. You tell her that her life is complete out in the hallway, that she is spiritual and eternal you ask her to remember who made her and that she is not a limited physical body, but a free and perfect spiritual idea of the divine mind that created her. And you think she's convinced and she stands up with you. And as you head for the door, she takes another look at the movie screen and looks back at you and with great sadness tells you that death is inevitable and that she loves you. You stand there looking at the screen and tears well up inside of you. But your hand is on the door to the hallway and you shudder over this moment as you are being called to remember the truth of being all the while being consumed with the sadness and grief on the screen in front of your physical eyes. Just then you hear this still small voice tell you that you are of no real help to anyone as long as you stay in the room. The only place you can help another is from the standpoint of perfection back in the hallway. If you are in the room, you are accepting the reality of the movie being projected and you are no longer awake to truth and reality. Aha, you exclaim as you remember once again the experience of the hallway. And with this renewed strength, you grab the door handle and enter back into it. A wave of joy and of gratitude wash over you. You shed tear and thanks to an almighty God and his infinite goodness as the former pictures are wiped away and you recall the truth that sets us free. As you continue your journey, New doors begin to open up. Some people you recognize, some you don't. And you acknowledge these people. And sometimes you might strain your neck to see what movie is playing in the room. But you don't enter into the room. You begin talking to those in the room while standing in the hallway. Some of them slam the door on your face. Others listen for a moment and then shake their head and close the door. But you begin to realize that the longer you stand in the hallway, the more certain you are about the truth of being. The more influence you begin to have over those who are in the rooms. They listen to you a bit longer. They notice there is something different about you, a light, perhaps, a certainty, a knowing, something that they recognize in you that makes them want to listen to you more. And then one day, a woman opens a door and pleads with you, pleads with you to come in to see the Help Me, My Child is Dying movie. And there is not a single part of you that is in the least bit interested in going into that room. But you feel immense compassion for this woman. And you look back up at the light at the head of the hallway and with this surge of love and power, you look her straight in the face and you declare to her that what she is standing aghast at is nothing. It is a movie on a movie screen and nothing more. And that she has the power and authority and ability to walk out of that room anytime she wants to. That her life and the life of her child are always perfect, safe and secure with God. That no power exists to end, alter or destroy life. Life is of God. He is life itself, eternal life, with no beginning and no ending. You share with her the story of your brother, Jesus Christ, how he came to prove the nothingness of death and the allness of life, that he overcame the grave and gave us victory over the illusion of death. 
and you saw something click in this woman's eyes. She remembered. She smiled. And without looking back, she entered into the hallway with you. She was transformed as she walked out to join you. Beauty and holiness radi radiated from within her. She laughed as she threw her head back and faced the light. She was overjoyed to recall her birthright and sing out in thanks because she was overcome with gratitude. And you felt something. As you looked down, her child had joined the both of you. And the child took your hand and his mother's hand and looked into your eyes and said, thank you. And that's when more truth began dropping into place for you. Yes, my job here is to stand firmly in this hallway where I receive all that I need to do the Father's will and to beckon to those who are in these rooms, hypnotized by the picture. And this desire sprang up and compassion was in the driver's seat. And you humbly asked for guidance on how to spring your beloveds out of these rooms. And you heard the following. These rooms are like refrigerated doors. The light comes on inside them only when you open the door and the light shuts off when you close the door. Like the refrigerator door, the movie in these rooms only start when the door opens. And when the door shut, the movie turns off. This is because the movies, which are only false beliefs being projected outwards, need a watcher, a witness in order to be seen. A false belief requires a believer to have any influence or power. If there is no believer, there is nothing to the false belief. There is no witness. There is no movie playing in the room. So unless there is an observer in the movie room, the movie isn't playing. And if there isn't a believer, there is no false belief to mesmerize us. And then came the punchline. You hear in the most sweetest, kindest, most loving voice. And by the way, I never created a false believer. And you take a step back and you gasp and the tears fall and you begin laughing Laughing because you realized that you had still been mesmerized yourself while in this hallway, seeing doors with false believers past them, taken in and feeling responsible or concerned for others, when all along, there was none such thing as a false believer, a false belief, a scary picture, an illness, sickness or death, or a sufferer of an illness, sadness or of scarcity. You see with infinite clarity the perfection of what God is and what God created. New understanding takes on a vastness, an expansion that goes out beyond your physical senses and moves through you and out into everything that you see. You are transformed by the freedom that this truth brings, and you can't help but be so grateful that everything you felt was so real before was nothing but a false concept that you left behind because you know that you have the mind of Christ. And therefore, you are not a believer of false images and nobody else either. Nobody else does either. What is true for you is true for everyone. And you claim this out loud and you thank God for it. And then you hear voices from behind you. And as you turn around, there is your best friend, your mother, your family members, and a host of others that you recollect from the dream. And they are smiling at you. And you are laughing and celebrating with one another, even poking fun at each other, playing like kids and enjoying the presence of God, the allness of God, and the absolute nothingness of its supposed opposite. You see truth in each other's eyes. You recognize your oneness in one another, and you're overcome with love. There is nothing else. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is real. Nothing else is acknowledged. And in a moment, you all stop and look back towards the light, and the most beautiful music you've ever heard starts to play, and the walls to the hallway fall away, and you see colors that you've never seen before above you, and every part of your being comes vibrantly alive. And together you hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you're welcomed home. That's a powerful uh, story written. Wow. Called the hallway. It's powerful. When did he write that? This was uh, by one of his uh, mentors, Corrine Walsh. And I think it was written not too long ago, but I'm not entirely wow. sure. Um, but it struck me a lot because, you know, one of the things I've been told by him and sponsoring me was that we don't go into the darkness to save people. You know, we stand in the light until they can see it for themselves. And this concept of the hallway and the story and the realization that all this stuff that I'm mad at or resentful towards is, is not even real. You know, it's mm. it's a false belief. And when I'm in the hallway, I'm able to to sort of escape that suffering, even if only for that day. You know, I'm not I'm not victim of just needless blame and suffering. And I can realize that anyone that I've ever resented, any woman that I've ever been frustrated at, any uh, business relationship or relationship relationship that went south. Mm -hmm. is not wrong. It's right. It was that that person was my teacher in that moment. You know, there is nothing wrong with me or with my journey or with, you know, things that occur. The things just are. And when we can realize the oneness in all of us, we can basically unplug ourselves from the matrix for just for today.
So, and that's all we have. You know, you can't go back into the past and uh, redo it. Um, and you're not promised tomorrow. So what do you have? All you have is today, the here and now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, I think for the people that I'm around and, you know, the journey that God has me doing now, it really shines a light on this idea that no matter how I feel, I still get to show up. And when I show up and when I share, when I feel awful and I just share my innermost struggles with another man and there's no like secrets that I just keep to myself, life is good, man. You know, life isn't hard. Life isn't, I don't have to worry about, you know, money and relationships and that things just fall into my lap, you know? Mm. And um, I think that is where this recovery is for me now is learning how to stand in the hallway. Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. Um, that's something I'm still working on, um, you know, with being content in the hallway and not wanting to go into the rooms and having the fear of death or, uh, you know, financial, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. We all have those fears, but it's how do you deal with them, you know, and stand in the light and be confident in knowing that, uh, it's all taken care of, you know, but that's our human nature. Um, and, um, it's hard, but one day at a time and, you know, being vulnerable and sharing with another man or, um, you know, a family member, um, and having those honest and sometimes those hard conversations, um, but life becomes easier over time. It just doesn't happen you, you, overnight. You get better. Yeah, you yep, get better. Correct. Um, so how has it been for you getting better? I mean, you're from Charlotte, you're in, uh, Texas now, mm-hmm. um, you know, what does your recovery look like for you, uh, for Matthew? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, my recovery is a daily journey. My recovery isn't a collection of days that I've stayed sober. Um, it's not what I'm, what meetings I'm going to. It's, it's a journey of, um, learning to love myself because I'm fully loved. And when I can love myself and be empowered, I get to empower my whole tribe. Um, and my, my human design is a generating manifester, which means that I'm essentially built to be a father, a leader. And when I'm not uh, empowered or when I'm not uh, essentially feeling like I belong, nothing is going to work. And um, so for me, it's about my birthright and discovering that I belong. And wherever I am, I am, you know, and I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to do everything I thought I wanted to do to accept myself. I don't have to be successful to be validated, you know? And, um, so it's just contracts for me. It's, it's standing in my new contracts. Um, my best part of myself before this latest stint of recovery was that I was vulnerable to people. I've always been very vulnerable. Um, it was that I was a bit fearless, which is just a mask. It's just the barrier itself. Um, but I was also um, I think very prone to finding solutions, just wanting to fix things. I was a fixer. I was a taker. You know, I wanted to, if I could find a way to make something better about myself, about the world around me, um, I would just go for it. And my new contract is that uh, I'm abundant. I'm free. You know, I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm someone who loves people. I don't, you know, stay sober today so that I can be happy. Um, I stay sober today because um, it's the the very thing that unlocks this spiritual connection with with God that allows me to be able to speak to other people and you know have my higher power work through me or you know have him work through other people. And so if I can center my mind and center my spirit and pray and invite you know God into things and you know even if I do things that I feel awful about, I don't have to suffer. You know I don't have to sit here and regret. <laughs> you know, what, what the conversation looked like a year ago or what I said last night or what I did or didn't do. I just get to show up and just be and not have to worry. And when the mind isn't, you know, chattering all the time, I can go to a meeting and just be um, someone who's understanding, just understand people, just listen. Mm-hmm. Be like, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What'd you say and, last night? We were talking last night before recording um, for our listeners, you know, and it stuck with me and I shared it with a few people today, but you know, when you want to share, listen, and when you want to listen, share, talk about that for a little bit. Um, you know, where did you hear that? And then how's that helped you in your recovery? You talked about it just briefly right there, but just elaborate a little bit more for us. 
Yeah. So there's this idea of like vulnerability, which is just like fake vulnerability or past tense vulnerability. So if someone was to share their struggle, you know, you would share, oh yeah, I used to struggle with that too. And, um, you know, I find that this helps and that helps and you're just trying to give advice and people don't really want advice, man. You know, people don't want you to give them advice. People just want to be understood. People want to be heard. People want to be validated as they are. They don't want to have to earn some, um, some form of being right by getting X number of days of sobriety or by um, making an amends. I mean, people just want to want to feel like a part of. And so what my sponsor told me was that, you know, when I want to share in a meeting, listen, oftentimes if I want to share in a meeting, I'm thinking about the other shares before mine and how I can tailor this one to just hit just the right way. And maybe I'll get people to laugh or maybe clap, or maybe it'll just be a great share. Maybe I'll get a sponsee out of it. And what it does is it, it completely goes, it's like the inverse of what people need to hear. Um, it might be, people might come up to me and say, man, that was a great share. Right. But at the end of the day, it's when I don't want to share. It's when I have a little secret that's bubbling up or when I have a struggle that I'm dealing with, with, you know, 16 months of sobriety. It's, it's when I want to be quiet and just leave as soon as the meeting's over. I just want to get in my car and go. I don't want to go to fellowship. I don't want to do any of this. That's when I need to share. So for me, it's simple. Take the opposite action. If my body and my mind is saying, don't share today, share. If my body and my mind is saying, share now and talk to this person after the meeting and this girl's hair looks cute, let's talk to her too. Do the opposite. You know, get a dude's number. You know, do do something that um just take the opposite action. And that's been very powerful for for myself and for people around me. It's just a you know, retrain how we think about our value to others. Because at the end of the day, um, the service that we can provide to others is really just uh, God working through us in the program. And so if I can share vulnerably and be real and not try to put on a new sort of identity when I'm sharing, that's a pretty good place to start. Yeah. And that's a struggle for a lot of people, myself included. Uh, And this podcast has helped me get better at listening (laughs) uh, because that's something I used to struggle with, you know, during my addiction struggles. Um, and even in my eyes at the beginning of the podcast, I just wanted to share a lot, mm-hmm. but you get a lot more and gain a lot more just from listening. Um, like you said, when you want to listen, share, because there's something that's eating inside or something that's, you know, you don't want to, uh, make yourself vulnerable, we'll say, and that's when you're going to, you know, gain a lot and have a lot of growth um because when you speak on something uh and bringing it to light you know that's when there's growth um you know i've seen and from talking to you i would say you would agree with that Mm -hmm. um so i mean that's something that we all need to work on uh it's a daily thing um it doesn't have to be uh for our listeners you don't have to be in recovery it could be at work at school Mm-hmm. you know, relationship with your spouse, partner, yeah. partner, your roommate, a neighbor, um, whatever, you know? Yeah. You we assume so anyone. much. We, we assume so much in these shares. Sometimes we assume this is what your intent was. We assume, uh, and we take things personally. And so if we're in relation with one another in a roommate situation or in a relationship, then, you know, if I'm going to sit here and try to create the most perfect spiel about what irritates me or how like oftentimes I just need to ask, you know, what's going on. I I just ask you questions, figure out, you know, how can we address the barrier or the elephant sitting in the room without judgment, without um, you feeling unsafe, without you feeling like if you share this, then I might not support you anymore. You know, it's about creating a space that's authentic and grounded. And it's not about, being a motivational speaker. We're not all Tony Robbins, right? We're, we're just bros. Like I'm just, you know, that there's a story of Marcus Aurelius, I think. And every time something amazing would happen, he had a dude that he paid to just whisper in his ear, you know, you're just a man. And so I just need to hear that, you know, you're just a man, you know, mm-hmm. or if someone shares their fourth step with me, me too, you know, I, there's no, I can't wrong you or I can't, sit here and uh, try to intellectualize all the things that I think you need to hear. All I need to do is just be there with you and, and feel spirit working through us. So, Yeah. Cause a lot of times when someone's going through a situation, just being there with that person means more than you trying to pour into them. Cause they're probably not listening to you depending on what they're going through or 
if you are sharing and they're listening, they're like, I don't need any of this. I just need you to be here right now. Right. And, and with that, partnerships, you can be like, do you want support or do you want understanding? You know, you right. can ask, be like, do you want me to support you in this or do you want me just to listen and understand? Mm-hmm. So important. Communication. And that's where a lot of relationships, you know, from uh, my past experience have been unhealthy communication because I wanted to fix things. You know, you said yeah. you're a fixer. You know, there's times where you don't need to fix things. Uh, you need just to let it be and, you know, or ask, hey, how do you want me to help you in this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, how can and- I support you in that? Correct. Because a lot of times they don't need fixing. You know, I can't remember. What, I heard it recently, but, um, you know, if you're in a relationship with a girl, just what, what what do you want me to do right now? Do you want me to sit here, listen and comfort you? Or, you know, do you want me to try and fix it? And a lot of times they might have already fixed it. They just want to be heard and understood. Mm, more times than not, I'd argue. Yeah, they've already they already know. See, women are great about um, setting things up for you to either walk right into or sort of be an indicator that you're not aligned with who they are looking for. And a lot of times it's something like that where like they'll share something with you and you're as a man, you're just like, you just want to fix it. You're just like, oh yeah, you know, call this person, do that. Um, why, why, why do you, why didn't you just call me? Why didn't you? And it's like, we create this shame cycle around sharing vulnerably and we just need to listen, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, I hear you. I hear you. That must've been hard. You know, like it's really not this rocket science thing that we make it out to be. And I think that's where I've ruined a lot of relationships too. You know? Yeah. And there's this, I think I've put it up on the Instagram story before. Um, and I'll put it out, uh, when this airs or on the story or something, but if, you know, someone's going through something, you know, Oh, it's going to be all right. Or suck it up. Or, you know, you're a man, you'll get through it. Those are terrible things to say. There's the things to say and the things not to say, you know, like I hear you, I understand me too. You know, there's a lot of just to comfort that person, you know, a lot of people don't even understand when they're saying, you know, suck it up. They're trying to be nice or they don't know what to say. But in reality, they're just shaming that person. Right. Yeah. And that's when you get that's when their character defects will start to act up, too. You know, you can exacerbate other people's defects and, um, you know, perfect person could be perfectly well with all their other connections. But you and then your your experience, that person is in your mind who that person is. And it's just an experience, right? It's not, it's more so an inner reflection of who you are reflected under that person. So yeah. And when, I, when I'm free to think that way, a lot of the barriers dissolve, a lot of the the unworthiness and um, shame and guilt and um, all that just sort of dissolves. There's nothing, the ego, like when I, when I remove all of my bio, my Instagram and you know, strip away things that I think define who I am on LinkedIn or just wherever. If I'm just me and free to be myself, I don't just innately set myself up to be this extraordinary IT person who can, you know, code this or code that or talk about biohacking and has a podcast and lives in Austin. And like, this is all irrelevant to who I am, right? That's just part of my, my meat sack identity. That's not who I am, you know? Correct. And it's so... I think hard for us to break away from that without um, really a good environment or um, good mentorship in that area. It's a slow and steady process, you know, but yeah, my golly, it works. And um, Robin Eckert, he was uh, episode 39, but I think I told you this last night, but he was playing golf and he talked about this on his episode, but he was playing golf and he got paired up um, with two other guys. And he asked the first guy, Hey, uh, I'm Robin. What's your name? And the guy told him and he said, and what do you do? And the guy, I think, said lawyer. And then right then he started comparing. I'm less than this man. And, yeah. You know, he didn't see himself worthy enough to be mm-hmm. in this guy's presence. You know, I don't make as yeah. much as him, whatever he said. Everyone listening, go check out episode 39. You can report back. But he asked the next guy and said, hey, I'm Robin. What's your name? And the guy told him, he said, and what's your story? Mm-hmm. Um and the barn brothers that I go to on Tuesday nights, you know, uh, the big thing is you don't know a man until you know his story. Um, and that's when you really get to know a man or another person and be able to feel comfortable with them and share your life experiences and stories because you really don't know a man until you know a story because we all have perceived judgments on people 
um, whether we want to or not. And a lot of people will look at someone and be like, nope, you know, that person's not for me. I'm not in their uh, league or I'm better than them. When in reality, you're not. You know, we all have the same mind. We're all created. We're all human. (laughs) We all just have different life experiences. And if we could all use our life experiences and come together, you know, this world might be a little bit better place Mm. than we got have created right now. You know. Yeah, that's that old saying that like people want to see you do well, but not better than them. And it's a lie, right? But it's also people like when I first got the job at Apple and Truist, it was like people were very supportive. And then once I started appearing or putting this mask on that I was getting more and more successful or, um, you know, making great money consistently or having an impact on the world through my career. It's all not real. Right. But like it distanced me from people, you know, my engagement went way down. People were, um, you know, it's like, you know, there's this separation that we all create, whether good, bad, indifferent, not wrong, not right. But like I started it by creating some sort of separation that, Hey, maybe I have attained something that might be worthy of, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, escalated importance or sense of entitlement. Right. And it's mm-hmm. whether or not, whether or not I know I do that. Right. That's sort of the game we play. And people don't want that, man. People want to hear like, man, I've been really going through depression this week. Like I've been waking up at like 11 AM and I can't seem to go to bed on time. I don't feel great. Um, I just don't like this. Like, I'm not feeling happy. And like, that's just the way it is this week. Like people can help you there. People can meet you there. But when, but when you're only sharing like the highlight reel of your life, like (laughs) people can't meet you there, you know? No. And they don't want to, or they're scared to, because they don't feel like they can measure up to you. Right. Um, Or they just see this highlight reel and they're like, that's not real life. Um, You know, like for me, when, uh, I was going through my struggles. I would post the highlight stuff, but the people who were in my circle, <laughs> like that's not what's going on right now, buddy. You know, like <laughs> yeah. you just got out of rehab, you just got out of jail. It's like whatever it may be, and then you know you post something on Instagram or whatever the highlight reel, and people don't get to know the real you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I've shared on the podcast before. I mean, since I've started this podcast, I've gone through you know some mild depression. And the old me would have hid from that and, you know, not told a soul. But because of the experiences that I put myself through and have gone through, you know, I am now more open and willing to share my struggles Mm -hmm. with people because I can learn from them and then they can learn from me, as we've talked about, Mm -hmm. rather than saying, oh, I'm making this much money. You know, I have this job whatever you know all that's kind of bs uh, right. it's not going to get you anywhere you, once you die you can't take anything with you all you have is your soul yeah and even that that's like your emotional core what people call your inner child that's your soul that's your four-year-old boy who's still curious and has no trauma and just wants to express joy we all have that inside of us but it's the liaison between our bodies and our spirit mm-hmm. i think yeah. we're just spirits we're just spirits that are captured inside of a soul that live in a body and uh, we're just here to discover that, you know, we're here to discover the the oneness and we don't innately feel that and um, we can find it, but we yeah. got to be willing, you know, we got to be willing to expose parts of us that might be very uncomfortable and bring those to the surface, even if just for today. And when we do that and we're, when we're willing to take direction, if I call my sponsor and he says, go eat two bananas and take a one mile walk with your dog. <laughs> And I'd be like, why? What, what, what's that going to do? I called you to tell you I had a bad day. You're telling me to do this. And it's not about the action. It's about the willingness to take the action. I told all my new sponsees to call me every day for seven days. And most times they're not going to have much to say some days. I'm not expecting them to you know, call me and have all this detailed. Like that's not the work. The work really is just to show me that you're willing and that you want it. And if people can do, you know, four or five, six, seven of the days, you know, they've got a shot at keeping this thing. But when people are like, you know, on day seven, I haven't heard once. And then they're, I'm texting them like, Hey, how's everything going? And they'll be like, they'll immediately just be in like explaining mode. Like, oh yeah, no, things are fine. Sorry to hit you up. I was busy this weekend. It was, you know, Labor Day weekend and you know, and all these things go. And it's like, I didn't, I don't need to hear all that. I'm not here to judge you, right? Like there's nothing wrong or right about your story. All this is, is just the, the training of this, you know, solution. I've got this type brain, you know, you don't have to worry about doing it perfectly or having much to say or even needing help. It's just about showing willingness to do what's prescribed, you know? And, you know, all I asked was, how are you doing? 
<laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't ask for a <laughs> synopsis on why you haven't reached out the past six days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. so talking about that, cause we went to covenant day and, you know, it's a Christian school, um, and you, you know, very spiritual and, you know, with your higher power, um, God, you know, how has that journey been? Um, cause you grew up, I would say, you know, from what I know, Christian family, you know, covenant day, Christian school, how has your journey been kind of, um, through your recovery and, you know, addiction to now? Um, it's a very broad highway of a question. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Giving you a little room to, to get yeah. a, rab- a rabbit hole. A little rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so I, I always felt like the black sheep. So therefore I became the black sheep. I always felt like, you know, surely there wasn't one right way into heaven and that people aren't going to go to hell because they don't hear about Jesus. And surely, you know, this is just some positive higher truth that people can get and it's their relative truth but it's not the absolute truth right and so i went from that and i think in like 2007 15 years ago i was like putting a fart box up during chapel and just like right when mrs k would pray i'd just rip that sucker and just the the juiciest farts right in the middle of the prayer like mind you there was no like spiritual connection that i was seeking i just wanted to have a good time and be get a little bit of attention along the way you know look at me look at me look how funny i am look how amazing i am and it just led to this little destruction of uh you know i never really had a close friend group right i tried to blend into all these different groups and it wasn't until i left covenant day i believe right before junior year i went to public school and you know, fell into the weed smoking crowd. And I mean, those guys were you know, on their own little journey, but, <laughs> um, but it went from all of that and running and getting baptized and coming back to the faith for a few months. And then, you know, right before Christmas, I'd always listen to like the Sam Harris versus a religionist conversation on YouTube and be like, wow, these Christians are nuts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I had some journeys with psychedelics. I mean, I grew mushrooms in college because I couldn't find them. So I grew them and um, I took LSD a few times and I knew that there was an alternate reality and that this experience that I'm having personally sober or drinking or whatever is just an experience. And so I knew then and there that like something else was at, was, was at, at the um, kind of heading things, but I didn't feel the presence of God and, you know, it wasn't until I looked back when I first got sober and saw all the ways in which he saved my life that I was like, okay, something has my back here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was up to me. I had to show willingness to discover that. And so, um, it really wasn't until I came to Austin and went to Red Rocks church and got involved with volunteering there for the worship team and for the video production team. And, um, kind of went all in because my whole time in recovery, I was still trying to play God by creating my own God. You know, I would look at all sorts of higher powers. I would not look at Jesus, you know? And, um, I think a few, maybe 10 days before I got sober, which was April 14th, 2021 was Easter. And I went to this church with my sister, Laura. Laura and, uh, she graduated with me at covenant day y'all. Yeah. And if you know, Laura, she is like, in my head, wanted like <laughs> she's someone she's, I looked up to in high school. Yeah, she. Like, I've never seen her sin. Uh, I'm her brother. She's amazing. No, she's she's human, but like she's always been very giving. She's loved Jesus her whole life. She's never had any sort of like uh, real big, um, you know, running away from the faith type. I mean, um, her journey is her journey. I'm not here to judge that. But right. but anyways, we went to this church, and it was like an interesting church. I hadn't been to church in a while and I was, you know, smoking weed, getting loaded, drinking and stuff. I went to this church on Easter Sunday, had a big suit on and I just started getting anxiety and like people started speaking in tongues around me. And like, I just like remember getting up and going to the bathroom and hiding in there and then, (laughs) and then panicking that I was hiding for too long. So I escaped (laughs) through a back door and then drove home from Concord to Noda at like a hundred miles an hour and got home and just went to my room and hit up my neighbor and went over to her place, smoked a bong and was like, wow, what the heck? What did I, what did you say? What did I experience? Yeah. And then from there, literally 10 days later, the experience of God saying, you know, you don't ever have to drink again if you don't want to happened. And, um, I never put two and two together until a few days ago, actually, that this had all occurred in perfect harmony with, you know, how it, happened about but really the journey for me was one of just being open-minded and removing what i thought i knew i've realized that if i'm insane enough to be um unmanageable when i'm drinking 
surely there's unmanageability with my understanding of the world and with myself and of God. And so if I'm willing to just set aside what I think I know about that just for today, I can get a new experience. And so when I invited that and I saw that there was a spirit of Jesus, like like there's a very clear spirit of Jesus that works in people's lives and in the rooms of churches. And um, there is a spirit. I mean, there's all sorts. You go to AA, people getting sober off Satan, bro. You know, people are sitting there praying to Satan, getting sober. And so it ain't about the wrong or right. It's just about this idea of someone who came in and lived a perfect life and showed us the way, you know, showed us the humility and the servitude and, um, you know, how he wasn't concerned about people's status. He was just here to um, lead people into the light. And so over time, it just started working through me, man. I remember I was on the phone with Laura when I first moved to Austin. I was getting lost. I was, um, you know, still just not feeling well. I hadn't got my sponsor yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I prayed the prayer again. And I remember I looked up and I saw a tall, slender figure leaving the condo, man, like just walking straight through the door and then took a left mm-hmm. in front of the windows and went to the left. And I saw it go through. And I was like, what the heck? And it's I forgave chills right now. Well, I forgave myself right before that. And I said, by the power of Jesus, I'm now free. And like, as I said that, like literally, I mean, it was like I was microdosing. I felt like I was like on mushrooms. And, um, you know, I, from that day forward, I experienced joy. I think I started, I started meditating for the very first time. I had no skill in meditation. I thought I was the last person that could meditate because my mind was just so quick, but I started practicing every day and I I downloaded the Headspace app and I started getting a real nice pink cloud, you know, just a real Mm -hmm. solid pink cloud. And then it bursts, you know, and um, I started going a little bit insane again in sobriety. And uh, it wasn't until I started working the steps again and picking up on step four and step five that even step six and seven, that some of these things started to resolve themselves. But uh, my experience with God was just that, you know, if he can, if he can be all loving and all knowing at the same time, why would he allow this? It went from that to, you know, being in touch with really the only thing that can create joy in my life and not just external validation or external um uh, what's the word um uh not not joy but just like and not not happiness but like external um <laughs> like gratification <laughs> i guess i mean basically just like uh like when i'm searching for uh pleasure basically just pleasure mm-hmm. right um, I mean, it went from just a, a totally self-seeking life to you know, now I live my days to be able to touch people and, um, you know, help people find God for themselves, however they want to. Mm. I'm just, I just speak up on my journey and I share how I feel when I show up and say, Hey, I didn't want to come here today. I don't feel great, <laughs> you know, but I'm here and, um, this is what's been going on. And, you know, I want to get to know each and every one of you more because naturally as we come into a big group of people that we don't know right without realizing we do this we start to just select a few people to get close to and then over the course of weeks months years we unintentionally ignore people that we see you know every week we don't get any closer to them and so i ask i'll I'll share like like hey i've i really haven't gotten to know a lot of you personally and i'd really like to take a chance to introduce myself and uh create that connection you know yeah um and that's for me is where the solution is today is just in that connection with others and with spirit and with uh, my own journey that I thought I'd be so disempowered by my whole life that wound up being the most empowering thing for me because it forced me to find God, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that speaks volumes, um, you know, cause we've both had to go on our own journey to find in our way to where we are right now. Uh, right. Not everyone has an easy journey. Uh, you know, me personally, I'm one who has to, f- figure out the hard way, but it's, it's been good for me, you know, mm-hmm. because it's made me a stronger man and made me who I am today and who I'm growing into. Cause I still have, you know, a lot of, you know, areas I need to grow in and I'm working on, but, right. um, those life experiences have taught me a lot and hopefully, uh, you know, one day a father or husband, I'll be able to use those life experiences and pour into them. But it, right now, you know, I use this podcast as platform to pour into listeners and have guests on and allow them to share their story and their experiences to pour into our listeners, um, people at work community, you know, it doesn't have to be on some big stage. It can be right. your roommate, your partner, your neighbor, coworker. Uh, you know, it can be as simple as that. Right. hundred percent. A lot of times we make, 
you know, things way more complicated than they need to be. And when we do that, that's when it gets very chaotic and mm. confusing and uh, just keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Simple as possible, man. I'm just a worker among workers. I'm just here to learn and be of service. Anything else is just a distraction, you know? Exactly. hundred percent. Um, so what, um, is some advice you have, you know, for, uh, I guess for people in recovery right now, you know, just starting out, we'll start with, you know, that advice kind of, what advice do you have for someone just starting out? Obviously being willing as you talked about a little bit, um, like maybe go back to when you were first starting out and really, you know, accepting the fact and wanting to get, you know, help and do the work. Yeah. Um, really the only advice I'd have for someone is just, even if you have experience in recovery, even if you've done AA and you don't like it, even if you've gotten sober in the past and have been sober for two years, three years, um, even if you're coaching people on sobriety, you know, you could be a sober coach. I, in fact, I know sober coaches in Austin that have, you know, loads of followers and have never been to an AA meeting. They don't have like a spiritual solution. They just, it's all gut health and things that they can control. And I just like think it's naughty, right? But that's my opinion. And so what I would say is go into everything with a new experience. Don't hold yesterday's keys trying to unlock today's door. You know, like you're not going to come into recovery. You're not going to go to a gym and hire a trainer, right? And then when he do, when he tells you to do something, you say, oh, well, I'll do that. But I saw this and this YouTube video and I wanted to know, well, no, I was going to go ahead and do this too. And so I think if I do this, this will happen. And people just go off. I mean, I've done it myself more times than I can recall. But like, you know, you go to a sponsor, you go to some a brother and you're just like, you share all this stuff, but then you sort of create your own solution in the process. And you're like, oh. Uh, wow. Was there, was there a question in there? I mean, can I help you with something like what? (laughs) Um, and so, I mean, if you go into things with new experience and be willing to say that, Hey, I don't know, you know, what do you know about like how to stay sober? Oh, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, what would you have me do? You know, um, if you met Matthew McConaughey on the streets in Austin, you want to just be like, Oh, Hey, Matthew McConaughey. how, How would you feel if he was like talking about how he's a big hot shot and, you know, just lets his ego fuel the conversation and tries to impress you with all the movies he's been on. I mean, that would just be nutty, right? Yeah. You know, it's more, it's more our job just to sit there and listen. And as the conversation starts to flourish a little bit, you can go there, you know, but um, don't just give people all this bullshit about what you think they'd want to hear out of you or, you know, pre-qualify yourself by saying you work here, you do that. You've had this many people in your circle. Like that matters, man. Um, the journey isn't that of being sober. You know, the journey isn't just getting sober. The journey is to find a spiritual solution for the egoic solution that you have. Yeah. That, that's clearly not working, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not, it's not at all. Um, you have to let the ego go. And I mean, as I was telling you before we started, uh, and a few people know this, but like with the podcast, even, you know, I initially started it to, uh, share my story and help people. And then at one point, uh, it started stressing me and causing anxiety. And I had to remember, why did I start the podcast? Uh, you know, not to get famous it's to help people and allow people to hear my story and other stories. Cause we all have a story and we all mm-hmm. have struggles and we're not alone. And until I was able to, uh, remind myself of that and really, you know, acknowledge that, uh, you know, that's when I had the breakthrough, um, and was able to get back into enjoying doing the podcast and it wasn't stressing me out. Cause again, you know, I'm on the recovery, but the ego was coming. Identity. Back it's identity, right? Correct. And it wasn't because of drugs. It was because of my identity and mm-hmm. who I was wanting to become and thought, you know, I would be, but yeah, you know, it's not it. <laughs> You know, you wake up today at 11 o'clock, you masturbated to porn for four hours yesterday. You know, you called uh, your mother a bitch. Like you can do all these things horribly, right? But you get to show up in the world as you show up in the world. And um, all you need to ask yourself is, you know, how do I want to show up today? Do I want to show up as somebody who's just at the mercy of his own natural instincts and thinking? Or do I want to be willing, you know, to invite spirit into my day? And no matter what happens... I still center my life around that spirit. And so I would offer that that latter option is 
much easier solution than <laughs> trying to fix yourself in so many different ways with the ice baths and the infrared saunas and the medications and the 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 better help therapist that sucks. I mean, there's so many freaking things that we try to do to fix ourselves, yeah. and it's just all a, a joke to me, man. But who am I to judge, right? I've, I just I, I I just know for me and for those around me that have a long term sobriety, really the only thing that um, separates me or you or anyone from uh, a person who has a day or two is just the fact that, you know, <laughs> your day looks a little different. All right. I mean, I'm I'm one hour away from a relapse at any time. My my addiction can kick in at any moment. And then before I know it, I'm loaded. I'm out of here, man. Mm-hmm. And so it really is dependent on my spiritual condition. And the scary thing is <clears throat> the next time we get loaded, probably we probably won't be here to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's yeah. the scary thing. And the, um, that's the thing that keeps me uh, clean. You know, there's other things, but that's a big thing. Uh, Cause I want to stay here. I have a lot of goals in life that I want to see accomplished. If the good Lord, uh, you know, has that, in store for me but i want to give myself that opportunity whereas before i wasn't giving myself that opportunity you know <laughs> i was living for the right. um so what does meditation look like for you now because uh that is something that helps uh you stay grounded as a person and start your day off right so for someone who's never meditated you know because you said that you were never had been into meditating how did that look for you starting out? I know you said you downloaded the Headspace, but uh, just talk about meditation a little bit for someone who maybe has never done it or someone who's needing new meditation, but kind of how has that helped you and, you know, what has worked? Yeah, so meditation is just a practice, right? There's no right or wrong way to do it. It would be like going to the gym and on the first month, you're expecting yourself to bench press 225 pounds, you know? There's no real way to sort of... Um, judge your meditation as for if it was good or bad, right? There is no good or bad. And so I came into meditation for the very first time consistently last year. And it looked at first to me, at least like it was, I mean, I was sitting there just trying to count to 10 in my, in, with my breathing and um, I would get lost in a thought train or an emotional train every you know, sixth or seventh breath. And I could only do it for a few minutes, but I just kept at it daily. And then, uh, you know, slowly but surely, um, I realized that the more I did it, the better I felt. And then I took a long period of reprieve from it. I stopped meditating late, late 2021, early 2022. And uh, man, did I pay a price? Um, you know, I was just fully fueled by this fear, this core fear of mine that I'm not enough as I am, that maybe something in me is wrong that needs to be fixed, that part of my life is Uh, not right. Let me fix it. And so (laughs) what meditation is for me is I wake up with this chaotic brain every morning without fail, without exception. I wake up feeling awful. (laughs) I know that sounds bad, but I wake up with just so much noise and so much chatter from my lucid dreams that like, I'm almost sure bet going to hate my day. And so uh, I make my coffee. I, uh, I sit on the ground and if I'm real, if I'm feeling real in my head, I'll just do uh, some breath work. So like a little Wim Hof or something, just as much breath in and like 50, 60% out and just do 30 breaths like that and hold and then do it again and hold and then do it again and keep exhaled and hold and then do an inhale. And like when I do that, okay, I feel a little bit more clear. And then from there, I just start, um, I check in with my body, you know, Um, I just observe and I scan the body from head to toe and uh, just notice, you know, I feel a little stiffness to my neck. Okay. Um, My pecs feel a little tight. I feel a little wrenching in my stomach. My, my lower back is feeling some type of way. Okay. Okay. And then I go into my breath. And so I start to notice and observe the way my body breathes. Where do I feel the breath? Where do I, um, are are the breaths different or some short or some long? And then as I'm invariably, you know, breathing, um, some thoughts will start to arise and it's okay. I just allow them to happen. And I just come right back to that breath. And from there, I'll just count to 10, uh, one with the inhale, two with the exhale. And inevitably for the first, you know, few weeks I did this, I would count to, I would, I would catch myself at like 16, 17 and have to go back to like six or seven. Right. But, um, little by little, the interruptions became fewer and far in between. And I found that in centering my mind in this way, 
And then after my meditation, saying a prayer to to uh, to God, to the universe, inviting them into their into my day, asking that Your will be done, not mine. When I do these in the morning, um, I'm available. Like I get to show up. I don't. Uh, there's no. Uh, if you meet people for the first time, a lot of people are just stressed all the time. They have stuff they need to be doing. You know, there's something that's on their mind that they need to do. That's all just, the, you know, it's not real. And so when I'm meditating every day, what it does is it just removes this identity for that, for that moment. I don't have this egoic barrier for, you know, what I think my day needs. I just sort of am. And no matter what I do with the day, I can still show up and, uh, I feel like that's the most powerful part of my work is it allows me to be um, a vessel for spirit. I feel like in a way that prayer alone can't, you know, if I'm not centered, if my spirit's not centered inside of my soul and they're both centered into my body, you know, who I am and what I show up as in the world, isn't it, you know, what my contract says it is. And so um, I noticed from the times I'm not meditating that it's just a non-negotiable for me at this point. And, you know, at least for today, all I can say is for today. And so um, it really does provide a certain sense of freedom. And so uh, if you're, if you're new to meditation, just go into it easy, download the Headspace app, download Inside Timer, learn how to meditate. And then as your, your, your um, meditation progresses, you can add things in like the breathing and um, the ice baths and the sauna. I mean, whatever you want. Right. But it's most important, I think, just to center yourself into your body for the day. And uh, when you're doing that and when you're aligned with, um, yourself and you're not just uh, the victim of your your endless thoughts and what you need to do and what you don't need to do for the day like you're good so that's what yeah. it does yeah definitely meditation helps you get grounded and you're ready to show up for the day because uh, you're not promised tomorrow and each day is a new opportunity and it is what you make of it you know are you gonna yeah. wake up and hate the world and just be bitter or are you gonna show up and you know, serve and uh, do your best. Uh, that's all you can do. So all you can do is all you can do. Yep. Uh, well, I'm proud of you, brother. It's been an honor to have you on the show, uh, sharing your story, your advice, uh, some of your struggles and just, uh, where you are today. Uh, it's very different Matthew than, uh, I remember from high school and, uh, app state and, uh, I'm proud of you and just glad we're both able to both be here tonight in the moment talking, you know, cause that's very likely Likewise. that, uh, it was possible that we both, you know, might not have been here. Uh, yeah. By God's grace, we are. So, uh, Amazing. thank you for your vulnerability. Yeah. Thank you as well. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Uh, yes. thanks for, thanks for having the podcast and keep it going. Yes. Uh, I will, uh, you know, uh, cause we all have a story. We all got <laughs> struggles and, we are not alone. Uh, you know, you might feel alone and you can be alone and isolate, but that's not uh, the healthy and the right way to cope. Uh, you need community. And as I've said, yeah. you can have bad community and you can have good community. It's who you surround yourself with and you want like-minded people. Uh, people mm -hmm. who are going to lift you up, bring you up. Uh, people who are going to sit with you when you need that, uh, who are going to listen and share uh, as we've talked about. Um, so, Glad to have you in my community, in my corner. Uh, again, I'm proud of you. Um, and also, his sister, Laura, she's got a Motivational Monday. Um, I can uh, put a little thing out there, but I know it's on her Facebook, and I think she has a YouTube channel. Um, but y'all go check out her Motivational Monday. She's got people on there kind of sharing their story, uh, their struggles and uh just their wisdom and um and their belief so uh, mm -hmm. y'all go check her out support her uh she's a good girl uh, and i shared mm -hmm. a little bit of my story on her motivational monday um so the jennings good family um again thank you for coming on matthew um and y'all uh thank y'all for tuning in this week and um just listening to Matthew's uh, stories, vulnerability, and just uh, our conversation. Uh, so go follow, subscribe on whatever platform you listen to, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And uh, again, I don't know 
all of our listeners. So would love to get to know y'all. So shoot me an email. Uh, love to grab coffee, dinner, whatever. Or if y'all want to come on the show and share your story, um, or if you just have any updates and need someone to listen, I can be that person. Uh, the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com. Uh, that line is open. We'd love to hear from y'all. Uh, but again, thank y'all for tuning in this week. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Uh, and for content on Instagram, it's the under or the rabbit hole show, all underscores. Love y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in. And Matthew, thank you again. Uh, we'll be in touch, brother. Love you. Awesome. Thank you. Love you too, man. All Bye. Right.